morning, everyone. Welcome to Albion Bible and welcome to the communion table. So uh, give God a moment of silence, confess our sins, and be ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit by remembering the grace of Christ. Holy God in heaven, our creator, our judge, our redeemer, and our father, we come to your throne of majesty and grace. We come to you to recognize that you are great, you are good, you are holy, and you are just. You created us with your image, with a free will possible to receive your love. And yet, when our ancestors sinned by trusting in the serpent rather than you, we have all been corrupted. Our will is no longer free, but came under bondage by sin. And we have been struggling through sin and suffering ever since. But thanks to your great power and wisdom, you have designated Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, to be the Lamb of God, to come into the world to live a righteous life and yet voluntarily to die on the cross and to suffer a literally excruciating pain for the sake of paying for our sins. And that is your pure grace. We thank you. And thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit the Bible, your word, and that giving us the understanding of the whole background, the need for us to know that we need a Redeemer. And we have come to the understanding by your work through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. And we are now believers. And uh, we pray that by our little simple faith in the work, the person and work of Christ, we are now cleansed from our sins. We're now being able to stand before you justified and called sins by calling. And all of this is undeserved, and yet it is a fact to those who have been predestined by you to be fellow heirs of your kingdom. For this we are grateful. Today we come to you confessing our sins in mind, in word, and in actions, anything that have fallen short of your glory, of your holiness, of your pure love for mankind, and uh, anything we have not done with the full love for you and then love others as ourselves. Anything that has fallen short, we confess as true and uh, as being short of your glory, and we are sorry for that happen in our lives. For we are now your children, more than children. We have been designated heirs. And then we know your will. We know the spirit of your law. And then we know that we are called to be perfect as you are perfect in heaven. But we have fallen short because of fleshliness, because of the temptations of the flesh, the world, and Satan. We pray that with our confession, we receive your forgiveness, and we also forgive others uh, as you have forgiven us. And because of that, we'll continue to be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which we ask 
Now we know He indwells us, but we pray that He will fill us, control us, and use us, and tell us with His still small voice what is the will of God, and we will learn to listen and to obey. And by that, we shall be sanctified, becoming mature, and to receive the true blessing, which is the feeling uh, uh, the, um, of the presence of God now, as it will be for the eternity to come. We pray that today, as we confess, we will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and as we remember the grace of Christ on the cross through the communion, you will sanctify us, and make us holy, not only in position, but in practicality too. We're praying in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Please be seated. In our devotional for the communion, we have been reviewing the contrast of the two major covenants, uh, Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant is mosaic, it's, it's between God and Israel, and it is conditional. The New Covenant is between God and the church, including the believing Israel, and it is unconditional. And then the Old Covenant is good in the sense that people who obey it will receive blessings, earthly blessings. However, the condition of continuing to receive these earthly blessings is 
um, impossible to, uh, to go on forever because it requires all the people of Israel to obey all the laws of God at all times. And that just can't continue. It happens in the beginning and gradually it gets worse and worse. And so finally, inevitably, Israel ended up in ex exile. And God takes it back for God's glory, for his, because of faithfulness, and for the purpose of leading them to the new covenant. So here's what God says about a new covenant. In the Old Testament, there are two, two places in the prophets that promise a new covenant for Israel. It was originally designed for Israel, but because they rejected it, it comes to the Gentiles. Okay? So, but the believing Jews or Gentiles are all called the church. It is on a spiritual plane higher than the physical one. Okay? And then it is qualitatively better. Let me review some of you through one place. It's called the, uh, it's in the Jeremiah 31, 31. Easy to remember, right? Jeremiah 31, 31. Okay? And uh, it says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand Egypt, my covenant which they broke although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will, be forgive, will forgive their sin, iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. You see, there are other promises for Israel specifically that they will be restored to the land. But for, for the church, for all of us, this is the essential part for us. You see, for Israel, their sins in the Old Covenant can be forgiven if they have a obedient high priest who is not a sinner, <laughs> obvious sinner. And he can enter the Holy of Holies once a year and sacrifice a lamb and bring the blood of the lamb and sprinkle over the mercy seat. Okay? And then God sees in heaven the blood representing the life of the innocent. Therefore, he won't see the law tablets under it so he will forgive the sins of Israel. It's conditional because the high priest, his feet is tied to a, to a, a rope. If he is an a unconfessed sinner, he got stricken by God and he died in there, their sin won't be forgiven. And nobody can enter there, so they have to pull him out by the rope. You know? So it's all conditional. And uh, every year, depending on this sacrifice. What happens when they cannot do sacrifice? Right now, the temple is gone. They can't do sacrifice. The Jews can't have their sin paid by their sacrifice. So what do they do? They make excuse. Number one, they say, well, we don't sin. How? Well, they say this way. The law is, is the Mosaic law is here in the center. But we have another level of law. It's called the oral law. Okay? And it's a fence around the, the, the written law. So if we don't cross the fence, we don't violate the law. 
So in other words, if we listen to our rabbi's interpretation of the oral law, then we don't sin. Now what if you do? Well, our study time of the Bible is our sacrifice to God. It'll sound good, but it's not what God said. Okay, God said a sin is a sin is a sin. It needs a innocent life to pay. The lambs are temporary. The Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, who is Jesus Christ, He is the permanent solution. Okay, and He did come. He did pay for the sin of the world. However, Israel, seeing only the visible world, wanting only the visible kingdom, they fail to recognize Him. But that turns out to be a blessing for the Gentiles. The new covenant proposed for Israel is now available for Gentiles. So all of us who are from various kinds of nations, we have different kind of color, culture, nationality, and race, it doesn't matter. In Christ Jesus, everybody is on equal ground with the Jews before God. Okay? And uh, the new covenant now applies to the church. That means the law is now not written on stones. It's written in our heart. In other words, we who have the Holy Spirit, we understand the spirit of the law, even though we are no longer under the letters of the law. We understand the spirit of the law, and we are willing to obey it. Okay? We're not going to be judged by it because we are saved by grace. However, we're willing to obey just to please God our Father. You see, that's the, that, that's the change. Okay? We are not judged by uh, the conditions of our obedience. We are accepted, period. And now we try to obey to please Him. We have His love. We just want Him to like us. You see, obedience is now not the condition, but the consequence of being saved. Okay? Forgiveness is no longer conditioned by your annual sacrifice and by the holiness of your leader. Now, it depends on the holiness of Christ, our leader. And He is holy. He is our high priest in heaven forever and ever. And He is an understanding high priest. He has lived as a man. He knows what it feels to be tempted, even though He didn't sin. He has been tempted, so he knows how we feel. So he understands, and then he's sympathetic, and he always shows God the Father, the judge, his hand. He's saying, hey, I know these guys have been accused. Satan is accusing them. He's the prosecutor, but Christ is our lawyer. <laughs> he says, hey, hey, I know they are guilty, but I have paid for their sins, so they are free of the penalty. And the Father says, yes, they are free. That's how we are. We have been forgiven once for all. And this should not cause us to say, oh, now I can sin any, anything I want. That is the, uh, not saved people's response. Okay? The real, really saved is saying, oh, wow, I don't deserve this, but I'm so grateful. I, I, I'm glad I get this, but from now on, I don't want to sin. And if I sin, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Let me not sin from now on. You see, that is the progress of sanctification that is saved people being sanctified until they are glorified. This is the life of people under the new covenant. Isn't it qualitatively better than the old covenant? Yes. So thank God we are in it. And because we are in a new covenant, we have already been forgiven. 
Okay, once for all. However, we are also realistic. We know that we still can sin. We may sin and we do sin. Okay, and because the sin is now broader, not only violating the laws of the state, not even just the laws of, of God, but it's about thoughts. Okay, if you have thought about committing a sin, it's considered a sin. So, uh, and the, not only sins of commission, doing things you should not do, but also sins of omission, not doing things you know you should do. <laughs> As Christians, we may do less of sins of commission, but we know more about things we should do and we can't do them, and we don't do them. So we, we have more sins of the other. So we are realistic. We know we are called sins now, but we in reality still sin. So what happens? How do we deal with the sin with God being holy and righteous and we have been forgiven? Well, repeated confession, remembering the grace of God and be committed, renew our new covenant. He has forgiven us, now we want to be sanctified. We want to please Him. We want to be forgiven, but improve, change. Forgive others also in order to receive forgiveness. Okay. So that's what communion is about, is the repeated confession and remembrance and the renewing of the new covenant. So um, let's take our elements, remembering that this bread is unleavened bread. It represents Christ's sinless body and that should not experience death, but he gave it voluntarily because he loves us and obeys the Father. When we take this bread, uh, just think about Christ's sacrifice and thank him. Because of his death, we don't need to die. The body of Christ was given to us. We take this new members of him. When we take this juice, remember it represents the blood of Christ shed on the cross to cover God's wrath on our sin. Now we are protected. But on the other hand, this not only reminds us of his grace in the past, it also represents his promised grace in the future. That he will come to retrieve his bride, the church, from the world under judgment, and that's the rapture. And then he will have the wedding of the lamb with the bride, with the church. At that time, we will each be judged by our works for him after we are saved by faith. So, yes, works are important, but not for salvation, but after salvation for your future levels of glory. You all have glory, but you have different levels of glory. Okay? So, remember the past and also live for the future. The blood of Christ was shed for us. We take this new remembrance of him. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for loving us from above and from here on the earth. You obeyed the Father and you loved us enough to have incarnation, to come into the world to live as a man, a righteous man because you're God and a man Nonetheless, so we could die for our sins. Thank you for having done that, and thank you for defeating sin and evil and death by your resurrection and ascension. And you are seated now in the right hand of God the Father, being the fellow kings of heaven, and you have been given all authorities in heaven and on earth. 
and you shall come again. We believe that and we live for that day. And before then, we pray that you listen to our prayers, forgive our sins, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and then transform us to become like you so that when you come again, we shall be truly um, harmonized with each other and you can call us faithful. We pray for that day to come soon, but in your good time. In your name we pray. Amen.